G'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I have a huge announcement to make. Now as you all know, I've been working on my brand new book called Investing in the US, The Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate. And I am super pumped to announce that it is now live on my website. It is live on Amazon. So please jump over to readgoosens.com forward slash books and grab a copy today. All proceeds from the sale of this book goes to charity. So remember to jump over to read goosens.com forward slash books and get your hands on one today. Now back into the show. Once you have that perfect destination of what success looks like for you in all areas of your life, it's so much easier for you to not only take those first, second and third steps to achieve it, uh, it also makes you much more resilient when adversity inevitably strikes. Welcome to Investing in the US, an Aussie's Guide to US Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with another Kraken Aussie expat, making a go of it here in the United States, Mr. James Whitaker. James is the author of Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy, a modern companion to the best-selling self-help book of all time, also named Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Now, for this book, James has interviewed over 100 world-leading athletes, entrepreneurs, and business leaders to unlock their secret source about how how they are successful. Uh, I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show to share his incredible story about how he came to the United States and set up his business and his brand. Um, But enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, James. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Good, Reid. How are you? Mate, very, very well. I... um, I just want to give a little bit of context to the listeners. We actually met a couple of weeks, actually a couple of years ago. I, I, I remember meeting you um, and I, the story I remember from you is that you told me one time uh, that you used to go and have beers uh, watching, um, is it the, when you, the, the, the Strongest Man or, or the CrossFit Games or something like that? Was that, was that did you used to do that? Was that right? CrossFit, I, yeah. If, CrossFit if, if, Games. If I can put it up. 
They've, uh, they've, no, you're spot on. They've since moved it to, uh, to Madison, Wisconsin now. So they took it away from, uh, from sunny California. But uh, yeah, amazing feats of fitness through the, uh, through the week for all those people. I, I just remember, mate, you telling me that you went and had uh, a few beers watching people work out. I thought that was really interesting. First time I'd ever met you. And I thought that's, uh, I usually go to the, the rugby or the, or, or the cricket or, or baseball. But sure, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> now, that, now that ESPN picked them up, there's a, they're doing pretty, uh, pretty well worldwide. So uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a pretty uh, pretty amazing sport. Just amazingly uh, growing in popularity as well. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But mate, enough about that. Um, let's get dive into the interview. I'm re- as I said, really excited to have you on the show. Uh, we've been crossing some paths here in LA. I'm not in LA. I'm in Austin today. But do you want to rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? Well, it's a good question. I, I guess the first ever dollar that I made as a kid would be when uh, packaging CD-ROMs and audio cassettes for my father, actually. So he, was, uh, he had his own books and he was a speaker and had his own business. And he also created what he called the Wealth Creator CD-ROM, the first mm. personal finance CD-ROM that uh, a lot of people or millennials probably don't even know what a CD-ROM actually is. But we, uh, we would pack that into this kit. So my brother and sister would do that as well. And I guess it was probably good for dad because he had some cheap child labor uh, right at home. <laughs> and your dad was, when was this? Would have been going back on the 80s, right? Early 90s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, late 80s for sure. Early 90s, definitely. And, and what, he was a, an entrepreneur? Like, what, like to, to thinking of today, like everyone does these self-help books and CDs and stuff like that. But back in those days, that would have been pretty cutting edge, right? Yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty uh, dynamic. Just the, it was when animations for CD-ROM, it was just starting to become a, if you could do that well to basically... Thinking about the education revolution that we have had uh, on the back of the internet before when it was just computer programs and different things of that nature, if you had any type of engaging hook that you could use to get people more and more excited about education and about their own development, then that did well. So yeah, we, uh, yeah along with that, the, the audio cassettes were very much around the personal development thing on the, the back of a, a book that he had written called Making Money Made Simple that was very, uh, very well known back in the 80s. Wow. And this is all in Aussie or did it get global? Yeah, he took that. Yeah, he took that around the world. I think it's, uh, yeah, it did very well. And it's still one of the best selling books in South Africa and it was in wow. England and, and uh, yeah, it got translated into uh yeah, in China and Singapore and Malaysia, and uh, I assume they did a, a good job to his uh, to what he wrote. But obviously, he didn't speak any of those languages to be able to uh, to check up on it. But it was it was a really interesting growing up having him as you. Of course, it's, if it's your own dad, it's just your it's just your own dad. You don't really think about them in any other way. And right, right. it's only looking back that I actually realised the gift of what it was like having that entrepreneurial thing because he has gone through everything that I ever go through in life. And we all have our own trials and tribulations, especially when you have your own business and and move countries or go down that entrepreneurial route. And he's just great to have as a a sounding board because he's he's very balanced and, and just a very positive guy. That's mate. It sounds like he's had an incredible influence in your life, and we'll get into what you know the achievements that you've done to date. But walk me through that the, the period of life. You know, what did you do at uni? How did you get to the United States? And that journey before we dive into what you're doing today. Well, I so I grew up in in Brisbane, Australia, and beautiful place. Love Australia, an amazing country, and I just felt like I spent ten years there in financial planning, and absolutely loved that. And that got me excited about having people engaged with their personal finance. And 
it was only, it had always been a dream of mine to go and study an MBA over in America. So I actually did an international, I studied at an international business school that was, uh, it was nine months in Boston, in Massachusetts, very cold place in winter, <laughs> and three months in Shanghai, China. And oh. it was during that time in Boston when I started to meet people who were my age, so 28 at that time, and I had always had these entrepreneurial dreams and I looked at people who were going after everything that they wanted and I, it was a pretty interesting damning realization for me where I thought, well, what is the difference between me and these people? And it's that they were taking action for their dreams. And I thought I was taking action, but I, it's only when you really get out of your bubble, you really get out of your comfort zone, like literally on the, the complete opposite side of the globe, Boston to, uh, to Brisbane. And it was when I met some really interesting people there, it was when I, I thought that, you know what, I'm going to start to give this a, a red hot go myself. And then once that finished, I, I moved to LA. That would have been in, in 2013 and have been here uh, ever since. Nice, mate. Well, and... Why was, so you went to um, Boston, then Shanghai, then back to Australia, then back to the United States. Was there any reason in particular to come back to the US? It was because you'd studied here and you had sort of that, that little bit of a, a step up compared to maybe other people? The only time that I came back to Australia after the MBA program was just for, for various business interests and to see family. I never technically, I still haven't technically moved, uh, moved back, <laughs> back to Australia. I'm sure one day uh that will happen but yeah i basically packed a pack one suitcase and uh got rid of everything else and and have been slowly acquiring possessions again ever since awesome and the 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 have you ever did you have a job when you got here like did, what were you doing to make money here in the states because obviously you are not american <laughs> from your accent and you had what are you doing to make ends meet and, and, and be here i guess legally because we all we all go through that you know i'm australian i'm here in the united states meant to cross that bridge what did you do for sure. Well, of, of course, anyone uh, living over here, you've got those visa considerations right. to uh, to do. And and every time I would talk to an, an immigration lawyer, they would just say, oh, get married, get married, get married. And I had only been with my uh, girlfriend at the time, now wife, uh, for a couple of years. And that seems to be a long, a long time in America. But for Australians, we seem to do our due diligence a little bit longer than that. <laughs> All of my friends are with uh, their girlfriends for seven, eight, nine years before they Mate, Seven and a half years for me. And uh... <laughs> Exhibit A. That's, exa that's exactly right. And it was, uh, so through all that process, so we ended up getting engaged and married, which was great. But I was working at a, a marketing agency only briefly in LA, but I also had a lot of uh, other things that I was doing myself. So I set up a CrossFit gym back in Australia with two friends of mine. So that was uh, one of the big, or well, still is one of the biggest CrossFit gyms in the world. We had a wow lifting club, a social media brand, a, uh, launched a, an activewear brand. We um, had a lot going on, and it was during that time uh, I realised that I had probably spread myself a little bit thin. But then I had a bit of a an opportunity that I had to go for, and that was when I met the filmmakers of people who were making a movie about Think and Grow Rich for the first mm -hmm. ever time. And I met with them here in Santa Monica and they asked me to come on board as author. So to write a modern companion of the best-selling self-help book of all time and also co-executive producer of the, of the film. So they were all the wow. various things that I was, that I was juggling. And so, um, and then to uh, answer this in a, in a very long-winded way, uh, it was in the last year I, I realized that life was actually just keeping me over here in the U S so I made the decision to, um, I just got out of those other 
business adventures and, and wish the guys well and am now focusing on, on yeah, I had launched the book and the film and building a speaking career and, and uh, mastermind programs and online courses and, and various other things of, of that nature. Awesome, mate. And what, can I ask a very uh, pointed question? What gives you the authority to, 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 to write about Think and Grow Rich? Are, are you a writer? Were you a writer? What, how did that conversation come about? Because I'm sure like, that doesn't just fall into anyone's lap. Hey, we're making a movie. Do you want to write the sequel to Think and Grow Rich, right? It, yeah, it's a very, very good question. I hope they're happy with their, uh, with their decision. And so to take you right back, when I, when I first went to university, I had always enjoyed writing. I just did it. It wasn't something that I was ever taught. I just did it. And then when I was in a creative writing course at university, at uh, University of Queensland, and the professor, the lecturer, UQ. whatever you want to call Yeah, UQ. <laughs> oh, I wanted to study civil engineering there, man. So, yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, good. And uh, so the professor said, uh, put up your hand if you want to make money from writing. And, of course, everyone's hands went up. And then uh, he said, let me be clear, you'll never make any money from writing. It's basically a labour of love. and." Uh, you'll need to find either get used to not having any money in your life or doing something else. And I thought, well, I don't want to be homeless. I need to have some, some money coming in. So that was when I enrolled in a business degree as well. But I, I continued writing and just loved writing, even though that was just a bit of a, it was at that point, it was where I thought that the writers stuck with it and went hardcore into writing. And I just never considered myself a writer. And then in 2007, uh, I think it was 2000, I don't even know when it was actually, um, thereabouts. Uh, I actually wrote a book called The Beginner's Guide to Wealth with my dad because I wanted to write a book to help young people and he had written a whole heap of personal finance books and he wanted to do something to help young people as well because of all the things like suicide rates and people just not having direction and self-worth and all those different things. So we wrote a book together called The Beginner's Guide to Wealth that did very well in Australia uh, and we re-released it five years after that and it was Money Magazine's Book of the Month and, and we did a, a lot of radio and, and various other media things for that uh, as well. So it was all the experience that I had had with the self-help field and the personal development field. I just loved it and he had loved it and we really grew up on Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich was the book that changed his life when he was 33. And I was 33 when I met those filmmakers in Santa Monica. So it was a really... wow. Interesting twist. Yeah, yeah. But they, they, they just said, they, they said, we love your energy. Tell us how you can be involved in the project. And I basically gave them a, a, a business plan and said, if I was you, this is what I would do and, and pitch them a concept. And uh, I said, whoever you write the book should go and do this. And they said, can you do it? And I said, I'll knock it out of the park. And then that was the, that was it. But it was, I was not let me be very clear. I was not writing a substitute. I never felt that I was because it's like if someone says rewrite the Bible, you would just never, you never would and you never could. Right, right. Just, yeah, I was writing a modern companion to a book that had changed so many lives, sold more than 120 million copies and still sells so well today. But it, it was written in 1937. So the opportunity to inspire people using people from today and I think people just really love, uh, love stories as well. So it really is a collection of, of short stories uh, in there too. So, so let's, let's get into the meat and potatoes of it. For those people who've never heard of Think and Grow Rich, which I'm sure if you're listening to this show, you've definitely heard of it. <laughs> but give us a quick, you know, the cliff notes of what it is that you went and took from the original book that you really 
you know, gelled with and that what your dad gelled with back in the day. And then what you took from that and said, okay, I'm going to go make my own standalone version that again, is not trying to rewrite the Bible or rewrite the book. It's, it's making a modern twist on it. There are so many, uh, I could answer that in about six months. It's a, <laughs> there, there is a, there is a lot to it. And most people who read Think and Grow Rich do nothing with it, but it's the ones who sit there with a notepad and they don't read it like a novel. They read it like a textbook. And along the way, they think about how can I apply this in my own life? And the very first principle is desire. So Napoleon Hill wrote that the starting point of all achievement is desire. And once you have that perfect destination of what success looks like for you in all areas of your life, it's so much easier for you to not only take those first, second and third steps to achieve it, uh, it also makes you much more resilient when adversity inevitably strikes. And in life, too many people uh, accept temporary failure as permanent defeat. And all of the people in my book and all of the people in the original Think and Grow Rich who Napoleon Hill interviewed never accepted temporary failure as permanent defeat, whether it's a divorce, some type of financial hardship. In my book, there's a story of Janine Shepard who was hit, literally hit by a truck and she was a, a cross-country skier who had qualified for the Winter Olympics. And she said that the people, these, this whole team of doctors who had been working on her, when they told her that she could never walk again from their completely qualified opinion, she said, no, that's not the case. I will walk again. And she did, despite still being classified as a paraplegic today and becoming a pilot. So that unwavering self-belief that the only opinion that really matters is how you feel about yourself and, uh, and, and making sure you surround yourself, the, the power of the mastermind that you don't need to have all the answers yourself, that you can surround yourself with people who align with your values and your mission. And together you can move forward to help change the world. That's, that's incredible. Um, I, wow. That's the, it sort of sends shivers down your spine to think that you have so much desire, as you said, to go and just say, no, you know, get, get effed <laughs> doctors. I'm going to go do, I, I know within myself and the self-belief. I think that's so powerful that a lot of people don't get to ever get started to creating a life, whether it be through financing or, or investing um, or, or just becoming financially free. And a lot of what we talk about on the show is becoming financially free, free through real estate and not having to you know, be chained to the J-O-B because we're so told all the time that we've got to do this. You've got to go to uni. You've got to, you know, you've got to get a job. And at 65, then you can enjoy life. And, and I think there's a real – and people – excuse my language, bitch and moan about millennials, but I think we are the generation that is shifting that mindset about how we look at life and how we take control and not taking other people's words of advice and saying, screw that, like Janine Shepard said, screw that, I'm going to go start walking again, I'm going to become a pilot and, and really inspiring others. So I, I think there's a lot in, in obviously Think and Grow Rich that we could talk about for you know six, six hours on this show, but I really want to get into how you made it different and just some of the stories maybe talk maybe talk around a bit, a bit about the business plan about you know you just mentioned before that you pitched them a business plan said if i was to do this book i would do xyz so to tell us a little bit about that first question and then let's get into your um who you went and interviewed because it sounds like you just you interviewed some incredible over 100 people to get the book uh, book on online and 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 up and running well, yeah, there's a lot of people who I had the opportunity uh, to interview, but to, to start off with the, with the business plan, I basically said, well, people these days, they don't really want to go and read a textbook. We're in this digital age where visual content is key. And I thought, well, if you can't put visual content in a book, 
The next best thing is writing a story that feels like you're following a movie. So every one of these stories, it feels like a movie. So thought, well, there's Napoleon Hill's achievement philosophy is 13 principles. Why don't you provide a brief overview of each principle in a modern context and then tell the stories of two or three people for each of those principles who were best able to personify that. And that's basically what it was. And I included a few a few examples uh, in that in that pitch as well. And and along the journey, had the opportunity to interview people like Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank. Uh, amazing woman growing up in, in New Jersey and then making it big in the New York City property scene during some extremely difficult times in the in the 80s and 90s as a, as a female as well. I think that is an extraordinary example. There are people like Grant Cardone and uh, the property mogul is worth almost a billion dollars these days and has more than 4,000 properties in America alone. And people like Rob Deerdeck, who has like seven TV shows and controls a whole heap of other things with his venture capital firm. And there are a lot of really interesting people along this journey, but a, a really important part of it as well is that you don't need to be on TV for your life to be a success. You don't need a million Instagram followers for your life to be a success. It is up to you to define success. But if you don't take that critical first step, then you're going to fall into someone else's plans and they're not going to have much plan for you. They're focused on, on their own lives. So I hear uh, in the whole personal development field, I think where it gets a little bit confused is people hear that quote about the key to success is to take massive determined action. So they want to go and run a marathon on the first day or do a 200 kilo back squat on the first day. But you need to do the boring work create that literal wish list for the universe, a comprehensive idea of what success looks like for you, your unique definition of success and make it so visible and so clear. I could hold mine up right here on this big A3 sheet of paper because I actually created that for people. It's available for free uh, on my website or they can email me and I will, I will send it out to them because once you've got that, it's just you will find uh, not to get too crazy with all this stuff, but you'll find that as you start living with purpose and intent as your authentic self, you will start to attract people into your life who align with your values and can help you get to where you want to be. That's awesome. That's wow. <laughs> what can I say, man? That's, that's very, very inspiring. So many questions are coming to my head, but I do want to be very methodical about how we walk through this because I'm sure I'm an engineer, right? I studied civil engineering at UQ where you went. So I'm very much a I get the special sauce. I've picked up what you're putting down. I've all, you know, I wouldn't be here if otherwise. And so I do want to get into, let's break it apart and let's put it back together again in terms of success and what that means. But, but just back on the, the book a little bit, like what was, I think the number one thing I would ask is what's like, people ask me who's being number one interview and I don't, and, and it's people that surprise me. Who was your number one interview for the book as, when creating it and what, what did you learn from them? Janine Shepard would be number one. As soon really? as I heard that, yeah, I thought, uh, I thought that is it. That's not, I didn't think, I knew immediately that that is story number one to be included in the book. And Janine's from, Janine's from Sydney uh, in Australia, which is just, uh, it was nice to have that Australian connection. And, and her and I are very close. We talk almost uh, every day. Hmm. Uh, very close friend of mine. And she stays here when she comes to L.A., and another one that really surprised, well, not really surprised me. I, I had a feeling this was going to be pretty good, but it was actually Jim Stovall. Have you heard of Jim Stovall? No, before? I haven't. No. So Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L for anyone who wants to look it up. At the age of 17, his dream was to play for the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL. 
and uh, he, he basically failed a high school physical. They said that he had some, some issues with his eyesight. And three doctors sat him down and said, we're not sure how and we're not sure why, but we do know that within a few years, you're going to go totally and permanently blind and there's nothing that we can do about it. Wow. And th think about that in your own life because that, that is that metaphor of your entire life literally fading to black. And I think it would almost be better to not have seen the world in the first place and go blind once you know everything that you're missing. And it gives me, gives me shivers and so does a Janine Shepherd story every time I even think about it. And what he's been able to do ever since, he actually was basically his friends and family gave him a pair of dark sunglasses and a white cane and confined him to a small room where he would be safe to see out his days. But Jim wasn't comfortable with someone else's reality of the life, the destiny that he was supposed to have. And of course, like Janine, they had years, like literally years of, of, of uh, really like second guessing everything that happens in your life and, and who you are and why has this happened to me and being depressed and miserable. But Jim was able to get out of his comfort zone. And I used the, the example of Jim and Janine at each of my speeches when I talk about different things like embracing the struggle and getting out of your comfort zone. And he was able to be the founder of the narrative television network because he realized that blind and visually impaired people, they can't enjoy uh, media. They can't enjoy videos and TV shows and, and movies like everyone else can. So he created it. And the narrative television network is now in more than a dozen countries around the world. And he also became the author of 30 best-selling books wow. and he hadn't written a single book before he was blind. So now when people tell me, they're like, I want to write a book, but I just don't think I can. Well, <laughs> you, you, you're barking up the wrong tree. You can do whatever you want, but right. you just need to come up with the right plan and surround yourself with the right people. That's wow. That's so, wow. I can't even imagine going blind and I, I was just thinking about it. Would I rather have seen something and then go blind or to not have seen it all? And I think the answer is I would have rather have seen it because then you at least know, right? Because you, you can know what green, imagine, I've always thought, imagine trying to describe to a blue, I'm sorry, a blind person, the color blue if they've never seen blue. Like how do you, you can't, you can't describe any color, right? It always blows my mind and that sort of just, you stop and think and you stare at an object for too long. It sort of freaks you out a little bit. <laughs> You're like, why is a blender a blender? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and better to have loved and lost as they, uh, as they say. As well. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but mate, that sounds, it just sounds like an incredible book on, on just different people. So you compiled these hundred interviews. Was it, I'm sorry, was it a hundred interviews you did or how, how many interviews did you, did you do? So the hundred interviews are, or more than that, and I have done um, for various projects over the years as well. But I interviewed about 30 people uh, for this project. So right. there's a lot of interesting stories, but there's also references to a lot of modern day people in here as well, like Mark Zuckerberg and Roger Federer and Oprah Winfrey and um, the ethos of the Navy SEALs and uh, just a whole heap of modern things to get people really excited. I figure if, uh, first of all, if they're inspired to take action and then there's enough clues along the way there's a blueprint there's people from basically every industry that you can think of in in seven or eight different countries in this book there is definitely a pathway for your own life that you will be inspired to create after reading all of these stories so, so brings up a really good segue into the sort of again i'm a let's take it apart and put it back together again I get the high level stuff. Everyone wants to be successful and it's great that we can go and talk about it. But what are, 
what are these people doing every single day? What were sort of some of the trends you saw through interviewing all these people that you said, okay, that these are the top five things these successful people are doing? And regardless whether they're an athlete or a, you know good in financing or you know business owner or you know uh, the gentleman who who started that that TV network, could you boil it down to sort of a handful of items that people are doing every single day? So people listening to this show can say, okay, I, can, I need to start implementing that and, and this and that, so I can be successful or get on the track towards being uh, being a successful person. It is the same formula, irrespective of what industry or what discipline you're in. So all of these people are very, very clear about their values and what their version of a gold medal looks like. For some of them, it is a literal gold medal at the Olympics, but for other people, they've got these big ideas to be a billionaire or, or they're very, very specific about what their future self is going to be. So in their head, it has already happened. And that means it's basically they're on autopilot to be in an infinite well of energy every single day as they take those actions that are eventually going to get them there. It's taking simple and consistent every, uh, action every single day. And that's so boring to sell for a lot of people, but it's just easy today for people to get distracted and procrastinate, but get excited about taking the simple and consistent action and being grateful for where you are, knowing that each of these actions that you're taking along the way, these seemingly small actions are going to add up. So one day you'll just have these amazing things that can that can just happen. There was even a... A moment for me writing this book where I was, I just felt like I'd done so much work and I was just, I was about ready for, uh, for something to, to happen. And then I saw that Rob did, I saw my phone start to blow up out in the, out in the other room and, uh, Rob Deerdeck had posted on his Instagram stories to his 4 million followers about how much he loved the book. And that was a really, that never would have happened without all those other little things that had happened before. So getting excited about the simple and consistent action, uh, never accepting temporary failure as permanent defeat. That is about as, that is about as big as it gets. And it's easy to say, but it's very, very difficult to do, but you need to find the gift in acceptance. What is the gift in every single thing? Because the moment that you can find a way to convert that adversity to an equal or greater benefit, which is exactly what happened to Jim Stovall and Janine Shepard, and that puts you on a whole other journey because once you have that gift of acceptance, you can let go of what you thought it was the case because often in times we, we have things in life that are completely outside of our control, like being blind or being hit by a truck. How are you going to respond to that when it happens? So embracing the struggle. And another really important point as well is just surrounding yourself with the right people, people who can have you thinking a hundred times bigger than you ever thought you could. People who can amplify your journey to success uh, a lot more efficiently and effectively. And that has been by far the most profound impact on, on my entire life. Um, whether it was back back home in Australia or, or here in particular in America, I've always, uh, through the process of increasingly becoming a person of value, so always working on myself, enabling me to add more and more value to people. That means when opportunities actually happened, I was given more opportunities and I was in a position to accept those opportunities and be ready for those opportunities that I otherwise wouldn't have been afforded if I hadn't done all the little things in the lead up. And when you unconditionally give enough value to another, to other people, you'll find that the universe just gives you so much back. And often it's in ways that you won't, 
you wouldn't expect, but but in different ways. So I'm a huge believer in uh, in the law of karma. That's law, mate. Wow, that's really incredible because you've summarised some five things we we speak a lot about on the show. You know, our, my my purpose of this show is to educate people about real estate investing to be financially free. But there's so many other things in life that you can be successful about. And that's probably the next question I want to get into is what is success? Like, I know we probably should have asked it at the beginning, but like, it's so different to everyone else. And I guess the better question is what's the end goal for the book for you to have an impact on people's lives, whether it just be the average Joe at a job or trying to inspire the next, um, you know, uh, Tim Ferriss. What, what's sort of the goal for you when, when you're giving these stories into the book and, and, and boiling it down for people? I want to wake people up to realize that they can do whatever they want. So you don't need to be going to work for someone else because the average person, they wakes up and they complain when their alarm goes off and then they complain about it being too cold and then they hop in their car and complain about the traffic and then they get to work and complain about their boss and the work they have to do. Then they drive home and they complain about the traffic again and then they bitch to their partner about what a horrible day they had. But there's a much better way. You can wake up and use something like the five-minute journal, which is a great resource where you write down three things that you're grateful for, three things that would make today a win, and you do your life's work first before you roll into someone else's agenda for your day. And once people realize that that can actually happen for them, then it's almost like they're removing this mask, this layer of stress and 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 fake they're living someone else's life and then finally for the first time they can be authentic and free and on the condition that they can package that in the right way they can make a a great living a a much better living in many cases than they could have done working for someone else but i think success to me is the freedom to live each day how you want the financial freedom to have enough money to contribute to the causes and the people that you care about and it's also through your actions pursuing your potential always so that you might inspire others to do the same because it can be very difficult to grab someone by the neck and say hey it's time for you now to be a success it's only when they're really ready for it but through your own actions that really is the best way to uh, to inspire other people uh, and i hope that through this book and the film that people are, in, are motivated to do that no I, I think i think that will be mate. i think it's incredible and and the the art of journaling and just personally how much that has changed my life in the probably last 18 months to two years that i've been doing it getting the clutter out of your head like it's i think of my my head sometimes as a, one of those old man drawers with just clutter in it just you know the <laughs> batteries and all oh this cord can be used for something else in the future and like a couple of menus for, for the you know <laughs> but you've got to get it out of your head and on the paper so it's sort of like in, in mine, mine form into a to-do list and, and, and a, for the week ahead and, and what are my goals for that week and I write down my, my, my future goals. Um, but very much being very, but, but being specific with the goals um, and, and just something that you said before, and I don't know if it's inherent to Australians, but I know growing up, I was always told the world, the world is my oyster. I just got to go out and figure out how, you know, what I need to do. And you said something earlier in the piece that a lot of these people had just envisage that they're already there and it's sort of like it's autopilot just getting from point from where I am now to, to point to point A to point B. And I think that I don't know if it's Aussies if you if you think that's the same, but I think a lot of Australians are, you know, who I meet are very uh, high functioning people. And I'm not trying to say just Australians, but we're bred <laughs> to have this sort of get out and go get it sort of you know, everyone goes and travels. Everyone goes and, you know, we just finished uni, see you later. We're gonna go, you know, throw caution to the wind and we'll figure out what happens next. Where you talk to Americans, you know, 
I tell a lot of Americans what I, how I got here and they're like, you did what? You quit your job and you didn't have a job and you're walking on the streets in New York trying to find an engineering job with a portfolio. Like, you're crazy. He's like, yeah, but, it, but it took one yes and that one yes changed my life, right? So that's all that, that, that's all that needed to happen in order to change my life and I'd figure the next step out, you know, as it came. But yeah, um, any comment on that? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're, you're right. About the only issue that I have with the Australian culture is we do have that opportunity mindset but we do have that tall poppy syndrome as well where people are happy to see you do well but not much better than they are. And that was, that was <laughs> one of the biggest motivators for me to actually get away from there. And now when I go back to Australia, I, and I've still got a lot, of, a lot of people who I'm very, very close with, close friends who I've, I've known for, for 25 years out there as well. But when I go back, I also catch up. There's a very high concentration of people who are exactly like you and I where integrity is such a big part of it, but we just want to help each other succeed mm -hmm. and we know that if there's anything that either of us can do to help that other person then we will do it mm -hmm. and don't have to worry about any bitching or anything else and once you reach a certain point you you are a little bit desensitized to that and you know that people will yeah as you, people will say what they want to say and, and hate, right <laughs> yeah that's right and and i'm not stopping and i know that you're not stopping so if people want to start talking they're going to uh, i hope they're just warming up to start talking as well because there are plenty uh, plenty other big things coming no, you, you hit a nail on the head there. Just, you know, you're right. Australians are get up and go get it, get up and go get you sort of attitude. But they, we do have our culture is very much tall poppy syndrome. You know, as you said, don't get too successful. But here in the States, this is why I love the United States and why you moved here, why we moved here, is that it's sort of people want to know more, right? Like I sometimes don't talk about my real estate when I go home because I just keep it under wraps because it's just like people are probably sick of it. They see me podcasting, they see me blogging, blah, blah, blah. And I can just be like, you know, just keep your successes to yourself, so to speak. But here in the States, they're like, you've done what? Like, how do I do that? I'm taking notes. Like, well done. Like, they, they're sort of boosting you up a little bit, which is, again, the there's different elements of each culture that that are that I love and sort of why, you know, I love coming to the United States and living here and just being successful because you're supported by so many people who want to live and be and breathe what we've done. Yet on the Australian side, it's a little bit just sort of like, oh, well done, pat on the back. All right, what's what's for dinner? You know, sort of thing. You know, sort of gets get through the conversation a little bit quickly, if that makes sense. That's right. And think about that dinner that we had a couple of months back. Like there's, yep. there's what, 20, 25 people in that one room where as soon as you walk in, there is an instant degree of trust that you have to to be your authentic self and share your dreams and, and you know that other people are going to do the same. So I think just putting yourself in a position where you have more and more of those things, God, it just... It just opens things up and just doing the right thing by people. It's almost like a miracle cure. Like it is, it is amazing. Sometimes it can take longer than you think, but there are just a lot of things happening right now and some new projects and things that I've, you know, I had a big call yesterday with some, not, not anything that I can talk about right now, but sure. on the back of just doing the right thing for people for years and, and, making sure they're well looked after. So, uh, yeah, and the more you do that, the more you just start to attract uh, similar people. But if you give too much attention to people who have negative energy or don't have your best interests at heart, then it's a horrible formula for your own happiness. There's a, I saw that one quote the other day, a ship doesn't sink because of the water around it. A ship sinks when that water gets inside. And it's sort of like life. You, 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 if you let it get inside you, you're going to sink. But if you just keep plowing through the water or through whatever it might be, the adversities, negativity, just the daily day, day to day grind, um, you know, and some of the some of the steps you outlined before, surround yourself with five different new people. If, if you're not, 
if you're the the best person in your group of five, then you need to change, you know, the people you hang out with, right? You're the average of the five people you hang around with. If people are negative in who you hang around with and you're taking that that water on board, find five new people to hang around with because you are the average of the five people. And I think that's was so important. But I want to ask one question. If someone meets you on the street, James, and you had to tell them what you did in the pitch, what do you tell them? It's <laughs> my elevator pitch has uh, <laughs> always always been a work in progress. It's been a lot easier uh, later. Basically, I, I, my mission is to help people take ownership of their financial, physical, and mental health. That's what I most love to do. But when uh, when I had uh, many businesses and, and various other pursuits, it was very hard to condense into the one uh, concise uh, elevator pitch. But that's that's my mission right now, and it actually was essentially revealed to me when I was working on this Thinking Grow Rich project. It was like the clouds parted for the first time in my life. And I thought, wow, that's my purpose. Here I am. And this is what I want to do. And this is what I will do for the rest of my life is just, you know, when you, uh, uh, Steve Jobs says, you can only connect the dots looking back. And I realized that everything that I'd done in my life, good and bad, was getting me to this point where it was like, finally, you have been through enough adversity, you know enough. Now is your chance to help uh, help inspire other people. That's that's awesome, mate. If you could look back at yourself at 18 now, what's the number one piece of advice you'd give to either your 18-year-old self or someone who's in a bit of a situation right now that you can sum up in one sentence? What would that be? Probably each day make the decision to win or you've automatically made the decision to lose. And that is a slide that I put up at every single speech I do. And most people don't realize the importance of habits, especially at that age, the earlier that you can develop these habits and seek out people who can give you enough exposure to different businesses and industries, companies, and a whole heap of different things to that is the way that you find your purpose and waking up and being committed and living with intent is just the easiest way to make that clouds parting moment that I mentioned earlier to make that happen. So just remembering that each day, you're, it's human nature. We will revert to doing what is easy, procrastinating and, and being distracted. So if you're very, very clear on who you are and what you want to do every single day, make that intent, then nothing can stop you. And the earlier you make that decision, the better. That's, that's incredible. Making every day a, win, a desire to win, otherwise you've just lost, right? And that, I think getting up with that mindset every single day, journaling, surrounding yourself with different people, um, who will make you successful. I think that's that's incredible. Mate, I do want to re- be respectful of your time. Um, at the end of every show, I like to ask my guests to give me their top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? We pretty much talked about the whole show, but <laughs> what's your number one? <laughs> the five-minute journal. It's five minute uh, journal. An amazing resource. Go and check it out. The five minute journal. It's uh, highly, highly recommended because those three things that you write down nag away at you until you uh, until you do it. So highly, highly recommended. It's the book I give away the most too. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you're giving away a few copies of that, mate. Um, <laughs> who's the most influential person in your career? We may have already mentioned him. <laughs> yeah, I'd say probably my dad, but equal parts my mum as well. She is. Uh, she comes from the empathy side as well, so she's just an extremely compassionate woman. The type of person who'd, uh, if someone cut her off in traffic and gave her the finger, she'd she'd probably wave just because she hopes that with that wave it would make the other person have a kinder and, and feel better about themselves. So, yeah, I would say uh, my parents. 
That's awesome. That's really awesome. What is the most influential tool, whether it be software or hardware related in your, in your business? Oh, it's a good question. And it's something that probably sounds weird, but again, that, that five minute journal is something that is so clear with me because it just gives me the freedom and the focus to do what I need to do. And I don't really have a huge amount of actual tools. I do a lot of work on my phone. So even something as simple as a notes app uh, mm-hmm. is something that if I'm on the go and I have a, a bit of a, a lightning bolt of inspiration, I can grab my phone and just just go crazy writing down things on that. So uh, probably either the notes app or, uh, or my phone. It's just, it makes it so much easier in the digital age, especially if you're feeling flat and wherever you are, you can just grab your phone and, and still be productive. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mate, we've talked a little about success on this, on this podcast today and we talk a lot about success on the show in general. Um, but what's the biggest failure that you faced in your career to date and what did you learn from that failure? Probably the biggest failure, this is, this is what actually what I wrote about for Success Magazine, this piece that's going to be in their March um, issue next year. And that was really for the first 23 years of my life. I was letting life happen to me rather than going after it. And I had a whole heap of soul searching and, and, and really bad things that happened and, and, and all this stuff is perspective, right? Whether you're, you're hit by a truck or, or blind or whatever happens in your life, we've all had adversities and hard things that we had gone through. And I had some really debilitating battles with anxiety, which I write about at length for the first time in this piece. And it was only when I made the decision out of sheer disgust that I would never live like that again. And it was a simple conversation with my mum of all people who I would never, I think it was because she was there where she basically told me that I am much stronger than I possibly know. And I have everything I need to succeed right here and right here, pointing at my head and my heart. That is when it just completely, uh, from that moment, was like I planted a flag at life and said, basically, here I am and nothing is going to stop me. So from that moment, uh, I, I sort of feel like I basically started my life at that point and, and, and really think about the, those first 23 years. And I just, yeah, I just feel like it was a waste of potential and I hate to see someone else doing the exact same thing. Mate, sends goosebumps. That's, that's it's pretty, pretty, pretty deep, mate. And, and it sounds like you've got an incredible relationship with your, with your parents, um, but also hitting something on the head that a lot of people do suffer with, which is with this anxiety. Um, I do personally, uh, a lot of people I, do, I know um, suffer with anxiety, well, you forms of it, not, not, not debilitating forms of anxiety, but people do suffer with it and it's something that's real and you've got to address it and doing little things like journaling and med- meditation and all that sort of stuff is, is really, really awesome. Mate, last question, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to get their hands on their, your book. They want to be in your sphere a little bit more. Where do they go? If you go to jameswit.com, so that's wit with two T's, W-H-I-T-T. Uh, yeah, it's jameswit on Instagram and jameswit.com. And uh, I think jameswit on, uh, on Facebook as well. So uh, reach out and let me know if I can uh, ever be of service. Well, mate, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today. You provided some just incredible you know, nuggets of absolute gold. I quickly just want to re- re- rehash some of the things that I took away from today. And I think 
you know, the, the, the top five things, being very clear about the values and setting that gold medal for yourself uh, in life. Um, otherwise, if you're not being very clear with it, it's hard to, to really understand what your desire is. And you've got to really understand, you, uh, people listening to the show have got to understand what their desire is in order to move forward. Um, you know, the, the, the simple and consistent action taking every single day. And it might be, you know, I know myself, it's just small action items that I know that I'm, if I'm going to get to a goal in five years time, I've got to set up the stepping stones to get towards that goal. So what are you doing every day? Um, never accepting temporary failure as long-term failure. I think that was hugely uh, you know, powerful. And you know, get back up on the horse if, if you fall off. It's, it's, it's going to happen and just accept it. Um, and then always you know, being, uh, being able to you know, accomplish, uh, being accomplished in your own self or being, being satisfied with, with your own, who you are and, and, and being okay with the, the journey that you've come through and the, the, the adversity or whatever it might be and understanding that you can easily shed that and, be, and change your life and, as you said, put that flag in, in life and start moving forward and not just letting, not just letting your life take, you know, happen, actually taking control of it. So um, did, I, did I leave anything out? No, that was uh, that was good. Good summary. You were listening. <laughs> mate, I've got two pages of notes here. <laughs> well, mate, as again, thank you so much for dropping on the show today. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. My pleasure, mate. Sounds great. Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice. Please get over to James's website at jameswitt.com. That's W-H-I-T-T to check him out and be in his sphere. All the show notes from today's show will be up on my website at reedgoosens.com. And I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ, even though we didn't do much financial IQ today. We did more soul-searching IQ, which I think is really, really important as we uh, you know step towards success. Um, we're going to do this all again next week. So take care. Be safe. Remember, happy investing.